Hi, everyone. It's your podcast host, Jim Andrews, here with a reminder that the Ticket Manager Partner Summit is back. We'll be getting together in person on October 17th this year at the Times Center in New York City. This is a free, invitation-only event where hundreds of business leaders across the world's most influential brands in sports, sponsorship, live events, and ticketing gather to make great connections and share valuable information. Approved attendees enjoy exclusive networking events, insightful panels, and exciting celebrity speakers, all for free. Are you interested in attending? Just go to ticketmanager.com for details on how to apply. Welcome to Ticket Manager's All Access Interview Series, engaging leaders from across the sports marketing spectrum to identify and explore critical issues in the business of sports, entertainment, sponsorship, activation, ticketing, hospitality, and even more. I'm your host, Jim Andrews. Joining me on this episode to discuss, among other things, organizational culture, the values of a successful sales team, and the rising importance of suites is Doug Dawson, Senior Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Dallas Cowboys. Welcome, Doug. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Jim. Happy to do it. Looking forward to to the conversation. As am I. You have a very well-deserved reputation for having established a successful culture uh, there at the Cowboys, particularly a, a sales culture. And one of the elements that you mentioned when we spoke earlier was establishing trust with employees and letting them know you're interested in helping them build a career. Is that is that difficult to do? I don't think it is. I, I think we we start that off just from the jump. You know, we we make sure they understand that look, as much as your success here is is important to us, we feel like if we show you that we value your success. For your whole career, that the benefits are going to to outweigh any of the negatives there, and and so we just start from the beginning. You know, we're very transparent about it. We enjoy having these types of conversations. One of the things that I do is I have regular coffees or or lunches just to talk career. You know, literally go in with no agenda and and just discuss how we might be able to help get you where you want to go and. The, the hardest thing is it, it it goes both ways. I mean, they need to trust you as much as you need to trust them. And and so I've had people in the past be like, I'm, I'm not comfortable talking about this with my boss. And once you get over that hump, it's it's amazing how successful it can be. And, and it, it can just be something simple like they come into your office and they're just not happy anymore. And and so when you're having that discussion Maybe you figure out that the the core of their unhappiness is because they miss family. And so, as you know, in this industry, it's the the six degrees of separation is unbelievable. Absolutely. And so it's it's very easy for me to say, okay, well, you know, what city is that? What city do you think you need to be in for whatever reason? And within seconds, I can reach out to counterparts um, in that particular city or at least in that particular region and help them. You know, I've been on Teamwork Online, for example, while they're in my office, helping them try to find the best job opportunity. But it's something that I've done for a long time. It's it's kind of how I was started in the industry. And I realized that this is going to be something that was important to me and the culture that I was going to set up. 
And so these conversations are are excellent because you you start from the beginning and you you kind of show them your family tree, and they say that wow, that's uh, you know that's pretty incredible that you have that many people. Now some of it's just being old after 26 years in the industry, but a lot of it is just maintaining those relationships, still having those conversations, even once people are no longer working for me or with me with the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I still have people that call me up all the time and say, hey, I'm looking at this career move. What do you think? And we'll have those kinds of conversations. I have people send resumes to me. I'll help get those out and distributed. So it's something that doesn't just last for us while you're with the Dallas Cowboys. It's something that that we envision lasting for your whole career. And it's it's not hard to do if you if you do it from the beginning and and, and you're honest about it and very transparent. It's so important. I uh, recently we had uh, Peter Fagan from the Milwaukee Bucks on, and, and he talked about it in terms of collecting people. Just just another term for for building those networks and maintaining them. And yeah, I, you know, those of us who've been around for a few decades you know, really understand the the importance of that and, and exactly. maintaining those over the years. One of the other thing about those kind of conversations too is uh, I'm imagining that. Again, after after you've been doing this for a while, and and you start to to uh, have those uh, conversations with people who are twenty years younger, you might be learning some some things from them uh, in terms of new technologies and and uh, social media channels and things like that. Do you find that's often the case? Absolutely. Um, the one that never ceases to amaze me is is LinkedIn. You know, I, I remember when LinkedIn started, I was getting all these notifications, and I'm like. You know, I think I had signed up. I didn't even know what the heck it was. And I just couldn't figure out what was this and, and you, why was it going to benefit me? And now LinkedIn's one of those things that I see salespeople and service people utilizing in a very, very positive way. And now, you know, myself, I use it for hiring. Uh, if somebody's looking at a particular city, I might say, you know what? I don't know if so-and-so is still there. Let me, you know, use that. So yeah, it, from a technology standpoint, I'm a lot better on social now than I was in general, but LinkedIn's the one that I had some learning to do. And over the last several years, it's become quite an asset for us and, and we use it quite often. One of the, the challenges with any sales team is that you have goal-oriented people, right? With and they've got those those individual goals that they're required to meet. Yet it's it's imperative that everyone also have a team mindset, you know, view success for one as success for all. I would love to know how do you instill those kinds of values that you have enough healthy competition to motivate the hard work, but not so much that, you know, people kind of lose sight of the big picture. You know, Jim, that's a great question. And and it's incredibly important, first and foremost, to get just good people. If there's one thing I've learned, you know, I, I remember doing interviews 20 years ago, and I felt like I could tell if this person was a hustler, if they were you know, could talk if they, if they, you know, could communicate really well, but I didn't have a great sense of that's all well and good, but are they a good person? Are they going to come in here and be a great teammate? Because quite honestly, Jim, that's more important to our culture than any sale we can possibly make. We feel like if you're a good person and thus a good teammate, then our level of success is going to be that much better. I don't want a bunch of individuals, a bunch of lone wolves, so to speak, on our sales team. I want people that get just as excited about another sale um, that somebody made 
than they do about their own. And that's one thing, the staff that I have currently here in Dallas, it's probably, there's probably as good at that, at that as any group I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And their level of excitement just is through the roof when anyone makes a sale. And to take it a step further, that's also the, the service team. The service team gets excited for the sales group, which that hasn't always been the case in places I've been either. But literally, to me, it's a very simple formula. If you get very good people, good human beings, you have a much better chance at that. Now, some might say, well, how do you know that in the interview process? That, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, I, I think you you have to do your your diligence. You're asking some deeper questions, some thought-provoking questions. You're not just asking the simple things that you, you'd ask that I've been asking for, for 25 years in interviews. You know, I want to know what you do on the weekends. You know, what would your friends say about you? What would, you know, things like that. Like I said, just deeper questions that generate more thought-provoking answers that I think help us understand what kind of person we're dealing with. And I also will tell you, we have, and it's not an inside sales group here, but it's our legends um, group sales department. And that's our feeder system. I'd say about 80% of the folks we hire in Cowboys ticket sales come from that group. The beauty of it is that the the, the two guys that run that department, uh, Sean Penix and Brian Capaletti, both worked for me up here in ticket sales. So they know exactly what we're looking for. We meet regularly, even though they're with a different company, they're in my leadership meeting that I have every week. So they know what's going on. I end up going to coffee or breakfast or lunch with their people all the time. As a matter of fact, tomorrow I've got two meetings that are people from that group. So before I'm ever making an offer to those folks, I know who I'm talking to. I know what kind of person they are. They've been vetted. And even though that maybe Sean and Bryant don't have the same luxury because they're hiring someone that's a lot of times out of their first job, um, I trust that they know what I'm looking for enough. And they've just done an absolutely phenomenal job with hiring the right kind of people. And then that's translated to us getting to know that group very well. And then thus hiring the right kind of people up up here in ticket sales. And, and, and don't get me wrong, you're going to miss. But sure. I think one of the, the things that's important is correcting your mistake. You know, you can't just make somebody a good person. You can't make them a good teammate. If that's not within them, I just don't know that it's something you can create. And so not that we've had to do it very often, but when we have had that person that doesn't fit because they're not a great teammate or in in fact, not a great person, you know, I I think we try to act quickly there to take that out of that person out of our culture. It's just not something that we can, uh, you know, and and don't get me wrong. It's not that our our leadership team gives up early. It's just, um, we'll, we'll, do what we can to get them to where we need them to be. And if they can't get there, then, you know, we're not afraid to make a change. And I think some people just in industry in general, don't like to have those uncomfortable conversations and don't like to make those changes. And we just won't risk our culture for anything. You also, you mentioned the service team. And I think there's an inherent risk in our business of overlooking the service and the support team, you know, because they're not the ones that closing the deals and, and ringing the bells. How do you ensure that that doesn't happen within the Cowboys organization? You're going to hear me say a lot of, of, of this about good people. And I think that's one of the things that's happened. Our sales team, because they're good people, they pay a lot of attention to the service team. I think they do things for them. And, and Jim, it might be something simple like, 
texting them on the way in and say, hey, I'm stopping at Starbucks. Would you like a coffee? It's amazing at some of the small things, how far they'll go with that. I mean, that's in general in life. But I think with this group, it's something that, that really goes a long way. And then when we do any sales competition, I'm talking, it doesn't matter if it's a, a longer one that's for a, a full campaign or if it's just a weekly thing or a daily thing, we always include the service team. When we do our reward trips, every year we do a reward trip. If we hit our goal, we'll take our team you know, somewhere that, that they'll be excited to go. And we, the service team automatically qualifies for that trip as long as we hit the goal. So as soon as the team hits the goal, they're in. And then the salespeople have to hit their individual goals to also go. But if we do any kind of prizes, we also have prizes for our service team. And that has been since literally since day one. And look, when I was when I was younger, we didn't always have the budget to do that. Fortunately, here, you know, I'm provided the resources to do this and do it the right way. But again, it's because from top down, they believe that that's important to engage everybody on the team, you know, even down to our ticket ops group, which, you know, unfortunately, those that group is so critical to our mission but a lot of times they're forgotten about. We just did a road trip with our suite holders and took our whole ticket office out to Kansas City for the weekend. And so they got treated to, to you know, being in a pregame tailgate and going on a, a charter plane and things that, you know, maybe they wouldn't have the opportunity to do. And we do that each and every year with that group. And so it's just, it allows them to see that, man, hitting these goals is so important. And not only are we sitting here watching the salespeople celebrate, we're celebrating right along with them. And so I, I would you know, encourage anybody, no matter what you're doing, even if there's not a lot or nothing even to qualify, you know, if it's a drawing for a prize and a sales rep gets the draw for a prize, nine times out of 10, the service rep also draws for, draws for a prize. Right. Because we, and we don't give them, it's not like the salesperson gets a $100 gift card and the service person gets a $100 you know, Starbucks card. It's their equivalent. Like we try to make sure that that happens we just, we know how important it is. And because of that, you'll see the sales reps and the service reps interacting, helping the service team will, will call a sales rep up and say, Hey, by the way, I just spoke to, to Jim and, you know, he, he mentioned that he needed two more seats for a couple of games. So I asked him about adding a couple of seats for the whole season. And he wants to talk to you about it. Like they are actually helping bring leads and, and deals to the table. And I'm a firm believer that that has everything to do once again with culture being inclusive and being a, a team first mentality. And and as you said, it, it it's important that that direction kind of comes from the top, the direction and also the support and the budgets, like you said. Can you just ballpark in terms of the numbers there? So we're talking about service staff and, and ticket office staff for, uh -huh. for you. How many, how many people is that? So right now in our service team, we've got seven. Okay. And then in ticket ops, we have 11. Okay. Yeah, so, so we're a pretty robust ticket operations yeah. office because at AT&T Stadium in the Star, the Ford Center, we do events at both. And the events we do, you know, outside of Cowboys are probably about 25 at the stadium. And I'd say another 20 or 30 at Ford Center, if not more, because we do a lot of high school football up there. And 
even though that might be a $10 ticket, there's still a lot of work on the back end that needs to happen. I want to switch gears a little bit. You mentioned your sweet holders and, and uh-huh. your recent trip with, with them to, to Kansas City for the game. There's been a trend among a lot of teams coming out of COVID that sweet sales have been very strong, stronger in many cases than, than general admission. And I think you mentioned to me that the, the Cowboys have had uh, tremendous <laughs> sweet success. So I'd like to hear why you think that is. And also, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the listeners uh, what you told me about uh, how you realized you had a product that was missing uh, yeah. at AT&T Stadium. You know, we we have a lot of suites at AT&T Stadium, and a lot of them are under a 20-year lease. We also have a, um, a percentage of those that we lease from event to event. We just, we like to be able to, you know, there not everyone can justify doing a suite for 10 games or... 20 other events, but they they can justify it every now and then. And it's been a great lead database for us to sell these, what we call per game leases. Right. And so last year when we were going through COVID around this time of year, we just all, we got in a room and said, okay, we've got to be proactive here. We, we were, nobody knew what the coming out of it was going to look like, right? Sure, everybody sure. had their theories and their thoughts and every market was going to be different. And you know, some leagues were going to be different. It, it was, you know, there were going to be different protocols from the league. I mean, there were so many variables, but we wanted to get super proactive and make sure that if we lose some sweet holders, because we were hearing the same things that everyone was, some companies, they just literally, their corporation said no entertaining, no matter what, I don't care what contracts were under, like they just, mm-hmm. they came strong. Yeah. And yeah. so we wanted to be prepared. So we took some of that rental inventory and we started going out and selling it as as full leases, knowing full well we'd probably lose a few, but we wanted to be proactive. Well, I'll tell you what, Jim. Within a week or two, we we were already, had already moved a few um, sweet leases, and and you know our sweet leases are twenty year terms. It's not like it's a three year or one year term. There, it's a significant commitment, and right out of the box, we had a handful of these things, and then we decided, okay, we want to hit. 10 of these puppies and we want to do it between now and the start of the season. I mean, if not, maybe five is the right number, but we want to hit 10. So the goal was to hit 10 by August, but we hit, we hit 10 by February. And then we basically had to say, okay, we can't sell anymore because we still need to have a certain amount for rentals. Well, then the Cowboys schedule came out in, in May and our rentals started flying off the shelves, like nothing I had ever seen before. And we hit that goal by middle of September, which is the earliest we had ever hit it. And we just didn't have any sweet inventory anymore. And there were a couple of reasons that I'd say people that that happened. Number one, I think we heard a lot of people that said, you know what, I don't know what to expect, but if I'm going to go to these games, I'm going to entertain. I think my people will feel more comfortable in a, in a suite because there's the privacy there's you don't have people sitting right next to you that aren't at least part of the same group you know we had glass dividers up between the suites there was a private restroom in there they could hire a bartender so that people weren't messing with the food so people were serving you you know all all kinds of options we really did hear that that was something that was was a big driver for that we had probably 25 percent of our suite lease sales and then a big percentage of our, our rental program coming from companies that relocated to Texas from other states. The big one was California, for example. We had a lot of people coming here and 
you know, they they had a suite maybe at another venue, you know, that that's the easiest sale ever because you you're talking to them and they already know everything, right? They they, they don't know your particulars, but they at least have entertained in a suite before, so they know what to expect. And so we had, like I said, 25% of those were people that, you know, we reached out to. I, I think our team did an amazing job of prospecting companies that were relocating to to Dallas and in, in the DFW market. And heck, even New Mexico, Louisiana, and Oklahoma, for that matter, there were people coming to Texas because we were one of the states, kind of like Florida, where you know people seem to feel like they could operate a little differently. And so, because of that, this is the first year ever that I'd say, you know, before we usually you didn't sell out of a game until you got you know, a couple of weeks out of that game, unless it was Green Bay or Pittsburgh or some one of those super marquee games. Um, and, and keep in mind, without talking about the numbers, we have a we rent a lot of suites, so it's not we're not renting single digits. This is a these are big numbers of rentals we're doing, and we just they just were gone. And then third party events, same thing. People were feeling the same way. We had a high school football game last year, a state championship game that we had rented over eighty suites for a high school football game, which is my now we have high school football in Texas is it is Texas, yeah. Any place I've ever been, but this is a, a community. It's about 20 minutes from the stadium and 80 rentals. It just absolutely blew my mind. So anyway, you know, as a part of doing that, we were selling through everything and we were having people call us and say, Hey, you know, we have a group of six or a group of eight and we'd like some kind of private experience. What do you have like that? And we really only had a suite. And, you know, a group of six doesn't want a suite for 18. Right. You know, the cost doesn't match up as well as they just don't need that kind of space. And so, you know, every year, myself and, and several of, our, of our, our leadership team do what we call walk the building, which is nothing new for a lot of people. It's sure. we just walk the building and say, OK, is there any place in this building where we have a gap that we could generate some revenue Everything else is sold. Where can we get something new? What new products are out there? There's all the new stadiums coming on board. You you know how involved Legends is. So I'm usually pretty in the know on what new stadiums are doing. And so we, we, we found a place that we think, and we're still in the infancy stages where we think we might be able to add some loge boxes. Last thing I want to touch on with you, Doug, is it's it's been a few years now, but but the Cowboys were the first NFL team to go live with with SeatGeek back in, okay. in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now that you have those few seasons under your belt since the transition from from Ticketmaster, how do how do you feel it's gone? I think it's been absolutely incredible. You know, I've I, I did a lot of conversations like this in 18 when we were making the change and. You know, for me to sit here and say it was totally seamless, anybody in the ticket business would know that I, I was lying through my teeth. No such um, thing. We, we had our challenges, there's no doubt. But, but you know, I talked a lot at the beginning of this conversation about good people. Right. And the thing that we noticed about SeatGeek, several meetings in, and, you know, Jim, when we were looking at SeatGeek, we, this is going to sound cliche, but we weren't looking for another ticketing company. We really weren't. Ticketmaster was doing the job just fine. We were totally happy, loved the people. And then something new was presented to us. And, you know, we did six or 700 hours of diligence. If you add up everybody's time in our office that, that was in those meetings, trying to figure out, okay, can this work? Is this something we, we can make work? How's this going to go? You know, I, I tell people all the time, we had 180 years of Ticketmaster experience and our 11 people in the ticket office, 180 years. We had zero on, on seats. 
It was a it was a big change. And but the people of SeatGeek and several of them are still there. Some of them are not, but they were incredible people. And, you know, we said early on in the process, man, wouldn't it be great to work with these guys? These people are unbelievable. They're they're doing great things. The technology is sound. Yeah, we're going to have a few hiccups and road bumps, but we we have faith in our team that we'll be able to overcome those. But I mean, this is season four, which absolutely blows my mind. I cannot believe that we've done this four times. And I mean, we're almost through it again and it's went wonderfully. Probably the thing I'm most excited is the user experience. Our, Our customers love it. Our survey results every year regarding ticketing and mobile ticketing and, and all of that stuff are off the charts. The experience is great. You know, we we made the move, which is not anything earth shattering to 100% mobile, but because we were so comfortable with their experience they provided, it made that decision a lot easier. And and I would say, you know, I've been around a long time. I've heard of a lot of teams going mobile only, and it's not always been a seamless process for us. That was a pretty seamless process. But in general, the Seeky group has been phenomenal. We love working with them. Our staff loves working with them. And and look, I think it's just good for the business. I think it's good for our industry to have competitors in that space. And it's just something that didn't exist before. And I'd say it exists at a high level now. And I think it's good for everyone. You know, I've never really seen an opportunity where competition wasn't good for everybody. And I think in this case, it's no exception. And so we're super pleased with them and the job they've done over the last four years and excited for what's to come. Doug, I really appreciate you uh, sitting down and, and talking through all this stuff with me. It sounds like things are, are going well for you in, in Dallas, and hopefully we'll get to do this again sometime. Would love to. Jim, I've enjoyed it. Thanks so much for the time. All right. Thank you, Doug. And on behalf of everyone at Ticket Manager, thank all of you for watching and listening. And please join us again for the next episode in the All Access interview series.